The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Our reading this morning is not from Bill Bryson's The Body. It seemed much more appropriate to have it be from Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman, whose line I stole as the sermon and service title. Leaves of Grass is a collection that was published on July 4th, 1855. The poem that's called I Sing the Body Electric, though it had no title when it was originally published, it's a poem that lauds the body in all its flesh and fleshy gorgeousness. And as more than just that too. The poem is famous for many things, including two of the stanzas at the end when Whitman makes a poetic argument against human bondage in and through his ode to bodies. We read only the opening stanza this morning. I sing the body electric, the armies of those I love engirth me and I engirth them. They will not let me off till I go with them, respond to them, and discorrupt them and charge them full with the charge of the soul. Was it doubted that those who corrupt their own bodies conceal themselves? And if those who defile the living are as bad as those who defile the dead? And if the body does not do fully as much as the soul, and if the body were not the soul, what is the soul? Here ends our reading. It was my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, a committed Southern Baptist Christian who taught me, your body is a temple. A line I would later learn was from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter six, if you're following along at home, verses 19 through 20, when Paul asks, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Paul tells those who will hear that the body is not just for their own use, but one more way to glorify what is holy in the world. They were the words that perhaps for me laid the groundwork first for instilling a reverence and a gratitude toward my own little growing bodily self. Of course, I was lucky I grew up in a household that honored bodies. We treated one another's bodies with care, we valued sleep, we focused on eating well, and we were lucky enough to have the money 
that safety and predictable sleep and food were things we could control. I went to the dentist even before I had grown up teeth to protect because my dad hadn't had that luxury and paid almost his whole life with abscesses and pain. And I also got the message that it was one of my jobs in life to take care of this body, that it was my partner, not my servant. Maybe the message went too far. I wouldn't even pierce my ears before the age of 40 because putting holes in this temple seemed an abomination, a sacrilege. Gilding the lily, my dad would have said. But then, over time, the lily got bruised and scarred with age, as these bodies do, and the gilding didn't seem such a bad thing for the temple. Our bodies are an incredible miracle. Almost from the beginning, what they do and know how to do is astounding. I mean, the once upon a time for each of us each of our stories on this planet begins with this mess of cells anchored to our biological mother's uterine lining when only four weeks after conception, something starts to pulse. This small prototypical heart that begins will continue beating through frights and exertions of all kinds up against the challenges of too much fried chicken and everything else we will throw at it over a lifetime. And it will never take a vacation until the day it finally waves the white flag and stops, closing up shop on the story of our life that began with that first urgent beat. We know some of the body's miracles, but actually much of its workings are still a mystery to science. And much of what we do know, I imagine you and I will never hear about, not unless we study medicine or, or read a book like Bill Bryson's The Body, which I read this fall with some of you. Bryson's book on the body, apparently like all his books, this is the only one I've read, is it's filled with obscure facts and stories. Early in the book, he frames the whole journey this way. We pass our existence within this warm wobble of flesh, and yet take it almost entirely for granted. How many of us know even roughly where the spleen is or what it does, or the difference between tendons and ligaments or what the lymph nodes are up to? How many times a day do you suppose you blink? 500, 1,000? You've no idea, of course. Well. You blink 14,000 times a day, so much that your eyes are shut for 23 minutes of every waking day. You never have to think about it because every second of every day, your body undertakes literally unquantifiable, 
unquantifiable numbers of tasks, a quadrillion, a nonillion, a quintillion, a vigintillion, these are actual measures. At all events, some numbers vastly beyond imagining without requiring an instant of your attention. In the second or so since you started this sentence, your body has made a million red blood cells. They are already speeding around you, coursing through your veins, keeping you alive. Each of those red blood cells will rattle around you about 150,000 times, repeatedly delivering oxygen to your cells, and then, battered and useless, will present itself to other cells to be quietly killed off for the greater good of you. Altogether, it takes seven billion billion atoms to make you. No one can say why those seven billion 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 have such an urgent desire to be you. They are mindless particles, after all, without a single thought or notion between them. Yet somehow, for the length of your existence, they will build and maintain all the countless systems and structures necessary to keep you humming, to make you you, to give you form and shape, and let you enjoy the rare and supremely agreeable condition known as life. In breathing, as in everything, Bryson writes, the numbers are staggering. Indeed, fantastical. Every time you breathe, you exhale some 25 sextillion, that's 2.5 times 10 to the 22nd, molecules of oxygen so that with a day's breathing, you will, in all likelihood, inhale at least one molecule from the breath of Every person who has ever lived, and every person who lives from now until the sun burns out, will from time to time breathe a bit of you. At the atomic level, we are, in a sense, eternal. Cartilage is remarkable too, he tells us. It is many times smoother than glass, he writes. It has a friction coefficient five times less than ice. Imagine playing ice hockey on a surface so smooth that the skaters went 16 times as fast. That's cartilage. But unlike ice, it isn't brittle. It doesn't crack under pressure as ice would. And you grow it yourself. It's a living thing. None of this has been equaled in engineering or science. Most of the best technology that exists on Earth is right here inside us. And everybody takes it almost completely for granted. And so, let's also give a little shout out for all our friends, because Bill Bryson talks about them too, I mean, if, if the Bible isn't a book, but a library of human wisdom, then I think it's fair to say we are not a person, my friends, but more like a community, a colony of diverse creatures figuring out how to survive together. 
I don't know how many of you remember many years ago when the first electron microscope pictures were coming out, or, or at least I remember one of them. It showed pictures of these little worms that live at the base of our eyelashes. Well, that was only the tip of the iceberg. We are home to vast numbers of tiny living things, Bryson writes, and they do you a surprising amount of good. They provide you with about 10% of your calories by breaking down foods that you couldn't otherwise make use of. And in the process, provide beneficial nutrients like vitamins B2 and B12 and folic acid. Humans produce 20 digestive enzymes, which is apparently pretty respectable in the animal world, but bacteria produce 10 thousand or 500 times as many, according to Christopher Gardner at Stanford University, says our lives would be vastly less well-nourished without them. <laughs> as you sit here now, Bryson quantifies it for us, you are likely to have something like 40,000 species of microbes calling you home. 900 in your nostrils, 800 more on your inside cheek, 1,300 next door on your gums, and as many as 36,000 in your gastrointestinal tract. This, of course, is just the number of species. In terms of individual microbes, it is in the trillions. Now that is hospitality. Many of us have awakened these last few months to one additional miracle of the body, the one the pandemic has brought to the fore, the immune system. How effectively it protects us so much of the time. Those miraculous memory T cells that stick around long after the invaders have been found and repelled that the vaccines rely on for lasting immunity how they watch like sentries, each of them, S-E-N-T-R-I-E-S, sentries, for a different pathogen to return as their whole life's purpose and the generations to follow them. All of this so we have life, we, this colony of living things. Our bodies, these repositories of evolutionary knowledge passed down who knows how, with instincts, some of which save us and some of which may be our undoing as a human race. There's so much of us in this fleshy inheritance that is astoundingly brilliant and unfathomable, the known and the yet to be unpacked. Anyway, I've given you just a glimpse of some of what I learned about all that. On this Sunday when we stand on the cusp of this particular weekend in our shared lives, I know this Thanksgiving holiday, this particular one is a complicated one for 
families not being able to gather as we'd like to or are used to, with our chosen family of friends, the same thing. And I know that we are all going to be making hard decisions as a way to protect as best we can these bodies that work so hard to protect us when they can. And it seems only fair to do that and fair to mention that this choice will be hard on our hearts, the metaphorical ones, the ones that live or seem to sometimes right near the muscular ones. And I know this Thanksgiving holiday is hard, hard to know how to celebrate increasingly as we re-examine the origin story of it, the story of the pilgrims that's laden with half-truths and covers overt and original sin of colonialism and genocide and so much that we as a nation know we need to and want to increasingly lay bare for some real clear-eyed examination and honesty and then some kind of just accountability. So perhaps, perhaps this Thanksgiving then we can anchor ourselves in this time as the time of harvest. That piece of the earth story of life in this hemisphere. And do so as people have done also through time in this season. Take stock of the harvest of life. It's been a hard year for sure, but some fundamental things remain. And to this effort, I offer up recognition of this body, yours and mine. This collection of microbes that keeps us fed and keeps us company, mostly for the better, for the cartilage that keeps our joints sliding on surfaces smoother than ice, for teeth stronger than steel, the mighty beating heart that soldiers on the brain with its mysteries of synapse and plasticity, the immune system from skin to spleen and eyes to behold and hands to touch wherever touching is allowed and mouths for singing and speaking our truths and crying out for justice or professing our love for all of it, for this body self. I know, I know that we can have complicated relationships with parts of our bodies. For our trans siblings, who are especially on our mind and hearts this weekend, but not just for them, for others too, I know, I know that your relationship with your body is one that the world has not made easier or easier to navigate to a place of at-homeness that I wish for you as I wish for us all. I know how many of us learned shame somewhere. Shame about some piece of our bodies, which I hope we know now was a very misguided teaching. Because we know, I hope, 
As the poet Walt Whitman said further down in the poem we read as our reading this morning when he sung of the body electric, said of all bodies, if anything is sacred, the human body is sacred. No matter who it is, it is sacred. So hope we can take all of that in, this fundamental blessing as one really big piece of the harvest of life that we all have literally in our arms every day we wake. The hope that we can stand in awe of these bodies with all of their miraculous workings and their mysteries yet to be unpacked. These temples in which we live gilded with their curves and their muscles, furnished with their microbes and their beating hearts. These companions that, as Bryson would say, give us, quote, the rare and supremely agreeable condition known as life. May we know these bodies as sacred, all of them, in all their shapes and sizes and colors and struggles and differing abilities, may we know them as sacred and may the world know us all as sacred. And may we hold one another too with the deep caring of knowing the mystery and the miracle that connects us all. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Blessings. And amen. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org